in words penned in the midst of war and the despair of personal loss, W.H. Auden endeavored to capture the sentiment of after Christmas in his long poem, For the Time Being. He wrote, Well, so that is that. Now we must dismantle the tree, putting the decorations back in their cardboard boxes. Some have got broken and carrying them up to the attic. The holly and the mistletoe must be taken down and burnt. The children got ready for school. There are enough leftovers to do warmed up for the rest of the week. Not that we have much of an appetite, having drunk such a lot, stayed up so late, and attempted quite unsuccessfully to love all of our relatives, and in general, grossly overestimated our powers. Even in the midst of war, the loss of his mother, and the heartbreak of unrequited love, poet W.H. Auden was rediscovering his faith. And the fitting response to the darkness and despair and apathy around him, he thought, was the Christmas event, awe at the incarnation, this light that has come among us, has changed the cosmic landscape and changed it again as we hear the opening of John's gospel today. God, present with us as Jesus Christ. So Auden set to work on a Christmas oratorio called For the Time Being. It was originally meant to be performed, sung set to music composed by his friend, Benjamin Britten. And what emerged is a much more sobering and stark retelling. Auden's modernist poetry becomes a way for humanity, whose resources feel spent, whose plans have gone awry, whose hopes have been misplaced, whose sense of time has been unwound to find redemption in the midst of the quotidian, the mundane, the everyday, always responding to the fact of the incarnation in the infant Jesus. I would commend to you, if you want to listen more about Auden and his writing in this poem, a podcast from the Yale Center of Faith and Culture put out just a few years ago. Auden wrote, to those who have seen the child, however dimly, however incredulously, the time being is, in a sense, the most trying of all. For the innocent children who whispered so excitedly, outside the locked door where they knew presence to be, grew up when it opened. Now recollecting that moment, we can repress the joy, but the guilt remains conscious. Remembering the stable, wherefore once in our lives, everything became a you, and nothing was an it. 
That is to say, the Christ is seen in another as you. And the dehumanization of war that was enveloping Auden's world, that of it, has no power in the Christmas moment. Auden continues, there are bills to be paid, machines to keep in repair, irregular verbs to learn, the time being to redeem from insignificance. The happy morning is over, the night of agony still to come. The time is noon, when the spirit must practice his scales of rejoicing without even a hostile audience the soul and doer, the silence that is neither for or against her faith that God's will be done, that in spite of her prayers, God will cheat no one, not even the world of its triumph. In lives full of work, keeping bills paid, writing papers, memorizing multiplication tables for school, it would seem impossible to redeem everyday time from insignificance. Yet that is just what scripture tells us is the good news of Jesus' birth. The good news is that all time is redeemed. None of it is insignificant. The prologue of John's gospel that we heard read today that we heard read on Christmas morning reminds us of this cosmic expansive view of God's time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. There is not one thing that came into being without the presence of the word. Jesus, at the very start of creation, everything, everyday, mundane stuff of life, Jesus was present there before he was born to a humble couple to become the savior of the world. John very carefully and beautifully shows us how two great ages, our time-bound world and that of eternity, coexist in the person of Jesus. By weaving the story of the eternal word with the story of that word made flesh, we see these ages are not mutually exclusive, but in the person of Jesus are here and now. Through Jesus' life, through his words, through his actions, we see the will of God lived in the flesh. John's prologue tries to stand as this bridge point between this age and the next. And for John, the nexus is the manger. When the word became flesh and God pitched God's tent among us. And God didn't send Jesus only to redeem a stable in Bethlehem 
but to redeem all of creation. As we lay these visions of life, of Christmas, alongside one another, that of Auden and that of John, that of a midwinter malaise alongside the light of Christ spreading into the darkest corners of our lives. We're reminded of what we are to do, how we are to be as disciples of Jesus. On Christmas Eve, we, we talked about our response to the birth of Christ, that angels praised, that shepherds went and tell, told, and that Mary pondered in her heart. Today, we're confronted with the question of what will we do with this news that we hear in John's gospel, this cosmic changing of the landscape? Will we entertain Jesus as an agreeable diversion? Will we go deeper and let the word of God pitch God's tent in our day-to-day existence? It's risky business, and it'll always be easier to confine Jesus to holidays and Sunday mornings. It's difficult to invite the light of Christ into all the areas of our lives, even those parts that are commingled with dust bunnies under the bed skirt, those places where we harbor shame, even there. Auden writes, now we must dismantle the tree, putting the decorations back into their cardboard boxes. But the light of Christ and the love of Christ came not to be tucked away, but to shine and overcome darkness, if we will but let it. The light of Christ is not tucked into the attic with our decorations, but it is meant to shine through Jesus and take root in each of our souls. And it can. It can. Would we but make room. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.